Welcome to the Sustainalize podcast, Walk the Talk on Sustainability. We do a series of podcasts covering many sustainability topics. Um, today, we again have an interesting podcast. My name is Nick de Ruiter. I'm partner at Sustainalize. We're live from the Utrecht office, but I have two very nice guests with me. I have here physically with me uh, Lars Kursnek, who is head of corporate sustainability and climate change for Southern Europe and uh, Benelux of ERM. And we have with us, but he's not physically in the room, he's in Frankfurt, Alex Cox, who is head of corporate sustainability and climate change for the EMEA region ERM. And I hear you thinking, why do we have those two new ERMers um, in, our, in our podcast? Uh, and most of, your, of the listeners already know that um, recently Sustainalize became part of ERM. ERM is the largest pure play sustainability consultant in the world. Um, and obviously, we are very enthusiastic to be part of this uh, this new um, this new mother or brother or sister, so you will. So, what we try to cover today, and we call this basically our Englishman in New York um, uh, podcast. What we try to cover today is to understand: Are there any differences between countries, regions, when it comes to sustainability? How? companies are approaching the topic of sustainability, how governments are approaching the topics, uh, topic of sustainability. And I think with Lars and Alex in the, in the room, in the digital room, I think we have, um, we have that represented um, and we're able to cover those uh, very maybe quaint differences as well. So that was for introductions. Um, maybe Alex, can I ask you, um, because ERM decided to enter the Dutch market, we were active in the Dutch market, are active in the Dutch market. How do we actually look at sustainability developments in the Netherlands, maybe compared to uh, the other regions in EMEA? Uh, hi, Nick. Uh, Hello, you, Alex. Thank you for the invite. Uh, <laughs> yeah, more than welcome. Well, you know, thanks for the soft question uh, to begin with. Very good. Um, so, look, I mean, we looked, we looked at, we've been active, ERM's been active in the Netherlands for. 20 years, but we, we never really um, had uh, uh, invested actually in the sustainability um, area. We bought a, a, a communications and change management company about three years ago called The Fifth Business, and it was the next logical step, um, bearing in mind uh, the Dutch sustainability uh, offering position, thought leadership, um, certainly in our view, um, and demonstrably on the market, was one of the leaders in Europe. Um, we, we then uh, looked at looked at the variety of targets and 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 sustainalize was the natural home it, for us to sort of put our money to, to 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 build our relationships and you can see that now Nick um, over the last twelve months as we've been going through into integration um, we you know I think my first experience of I suppose the news of sustainability in in Holland was around um, in in the Dutch in the Dutch market was around um, I think Rabobank when they first signed Equated Principles years and years ago one of very early movers. Um, and I think from there, there's always been news articles, et cetera, of, of, of leadership coming out of the country. And it was our natural, natural, logical next step to move uh, to move into Holland. Thanks, Alex. Um, and we'll probably dive sl slightly deeper on the differences because it happens to be that you're you're perhaps the Englishman in New York. You're an, an Englishman living in Frankfurt, working for a uh, for a uh, English um, company, having worked throughout the media region. So. We'll dive probably much, much deeper in that as well. But first, let me um, let me ask Lars a, a bit, because um, Lars has quite a fair amount of experience in the Dutch market. How do you look at the Dutch market, maybe compared to the, the remainder of the region? Yeah, and I'll, I think uh, from an historical point of view, the Dutch uh, sustainability market is indeed leading, uh, is one of the leading countries, I would say. It's uh, most of the case still the case. However, 
there are also some changes happening, and I, s I see mainly three of them. First of all, uh, governments. Uh, there's increasingly legislation which makes it uh, the level playing field, especially among Europe, uh, the same. For example, the EU taxonomy, but also the, the, the directive with regard to non-financial reporting. Um, another important uh, change is the, uh, the role of sustainability in companies. Increasingly, uh, sustainability is, uh, bec is becoming a business imperative, which means that um, it is often the strategic, the right strategic thing to do. So, which means that every company operating in sectors which are impacted by sustainability becomes more active on sustainability. So, which means that I expect in the coming years that uh, Dutch companies are also starting to learn from other companies outside uh, the Netherlands uh, so that the differences become less across geographical lines and more between sectors and within sectors, I would say. Okay, okay. What, um, I'm also active in the, in the Dutch market, of course. Um, what, uh, how I also look at the Dutch market is that I see that the companies are um, really active in sustainability, where our government, say the Dutch government, local government, is kind of lacking behind when we compare it maybe to Germany, and we'll ask Alex later on as well, but uh, compared to other um, uh, governments, yeah. how do you look at that? No, I think that's uh, that's a, a very good point, and that's 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 what I referred to when I spoke about uh, about uh, the the acts of governments. If you, for example, take uh, the UK, where TCFD reporting is uh, mandatory, we see the French government very active on climate, and that gives an, a push to companies operating uh, in those countries, and that is. Not the, 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 the Dutch government is more reactive, I would say, more looking at the EU, um, and that doesn't help uh, Dutch companies. So I definitely agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So Alex, so, so you're actually overseeing most of, say, our neighbors, uh, Germany, Belgium, uh, EMEA region. How d wh what, what kind of developments do you see in the region when it comes to governments and, and also companies acting upon, say, legislation or what have you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of history uh, in Europe of, of everyone doing things differently and also from a cultural perspective. I see, um, you know, there's the certain countries that, that historically have followed the regulator and regulation, so they wait for the rule to be written. Um, I see that in Germany and, and, and Switzerland, and, um, and there's other countries that have been more of a risk-based, um, sort of probabilistic, balanced um, uh, sort of view, so uh, more of the UK Dutch, actually, to some extent, the French markets that played out early on in, in risk management and, and how risk is perceived, i.e. if you design things to a rule, there's no longer a problem or you or you're on the base of probability and probabilistically um, you can you can remove the problems um, through putting your resources in in, 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 in a kind of risk based uh, um, approach. That sort of things filtered through into other areas of, of regulations and topics. And that's, I think, how the nascence of sustainability has come out. Um, you know, you look at the Dutch market, Nick. You know, you, you guys have been active for years in this. That it's been, it's they've realised it's a risk, um, and they've put their uh, resources around it, both from internal processes as well as the external disclosure. And other countries actually have been a bit behind and have waited and waited and waited. And now you see regulation from a European perspective. Who's, you know, they've realised you you can't have all these differences. And now there's a need because finance tends to have no barriers. Um, that, that, that you need this this homogenous approach to it. And that's, I think, Lars, you put it exactly right, the EU taxonomy, um, the corporate sustainability reporting directives, 
um, or the new, the, the new form of the um, NFRD, non-financial reporting directive that's coming through, um, is, is, is tantamount to the catch-up um, and actually the alignment across Europe. Yeah, and I see. I see also um, a kind of a, a risk of this this uh, leading position of the the, the, the Dutch uh, uh, companies on sustainability because um, we have quite our depth and breadth of knowledge within Netherlands on sustainability is quite significant, which means that it became a kind of an industry in itself. Uh, companies with big sustainability teams, the the consulting market is big. The risk is that we are now entering into a phase where it's not so much about only about sustainability, no, but about how do you embed sustainability in everything you do. And with uh, such a, uh, a lot of companies are basically spoiled with such strong sustainability teams where they can always rely on when it comes to uh, sustainability questions. But now, because of the regulation explained by Alex, questions pop up in every part of the organization, which means that it's not only enough anymore to have um, a, a very strong sustainability experts and, and teams in, in, in place in the organization, but also what about risk, what about finance, what about strategy, what about um, uh, other functional uh, units. And uh, an, a, a strong sustainability um, uh, team can be um, a barrier for further integration. So I think that is something where Dutch um, companies need to be aware of, that their leading position doesn't become a barrier for uh, responding to the new challenges on sustainability, I would say. And this risk is higher. Yeah, go ahead, Alex, go ahead. Sorry, Lars, I mean, to add to that, there's, there's a ratcheting of requirement. Historically, you know, you would disclose, you have to prove a little bit of improvement or at least some improvement. These, you know, when it comes to things like, you know, the transition, um, in terms of, for example, when you you know you signed up to the Science Space Target Initiative, and there's a ratcheting of improvement, you know it, you may be compliant and aligned this year on what you're disclosing. The next year you may not. So and it's firm. So so that 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 transition now from uh, over time to improve is more or less hard coded as becoming hard coded. And and do um, and this question for you, Lars. Um, do you see this risk to be greater for Dutch companies than than others in the region? Especially as you described, or yeah, because or is it the front runner problem? Maybe it is. It is a bit of a front runner problem um, because uh, if you have a strong team, um, comp uh, uh, colleagues outside sustainability teams can always rely on those people in terms of all different types of questions. How how do I need to embed sustainability to my co corporate strategy? How into risk management? But some other countries which do not have this capability basically they need to do it themselves immediately um, so which might enable them to leapfrog when it comes to the new challenges and the new challenge on sustainability is really about this how do I transform my business model how do I transform my operating model to uh, adjust to the new requirements um, for companies because it is not enough anymore for companies to be financially very successful. You need to do much more than that. So I see, I can imagine, and I see, for example, happening in the financial sector. Mm -hmm. If you look at the huge, the massive amount of financial regulation that is um, uh, where banks, insurance companies, etc., are confronted with, they cannot. It cannot be solved by only the sustainability experts or sustainability departments in those uh, organizations. It is so also finance, also risk, also compliance. They also need to have an answer to that. But for them, it's all new. So the challenge for Dutch banks is to k 
keep their leading position, but also make sure that the capability on sustainability is broader than only in their sustainability partners. Yeah, I think we see the same. You see, <coughs> I call it blood groups. So you need to have the other blood groups on board as well. So indeed your risk management, your finance, your internal audits to all take part in the journey of a financial institution or, or, or a corporate in itself. We, we kind of named it already and we have podcasts uh, going into depth into the new regulation, but the EU taxonomy, that's, that's, the, that's the big thing, guys, right? And it, or not? Alex, how do you look at it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, if you talk to the financial world, it's, it, it's, it's the game changer to, to be able to assess in a robust way the, you know, this sort of greenwashing perception over the last decade and getting to the nuts and bolts of, of what is actually green and then being able to report on it in a faithful way. Um, I think it, that structure, that visibility, the, the lens that it provides um, is two, two, twofold, right? So one from the financial markets, they, they know um, that companies have assessed themselves the level of risk relating to um, ESG type issues. Um, and from a corporate's perspective, it's a useful framework by which you can both obviously identify those risks, understand how to control them, but then secondly, also get to those opportunities. Um, a lot of client, the companies uh, need to change. They are changing. Their consumer bases are change, changing. So they need to develop new products um, that meet new expectations. And it provides that sort of youth, useful lens and structure um, to help companies um, uh, 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 develop their thoughts and ideas and then capture them uh, as a business process. Yeah, and maybe creates this this level playing field at least in the EU then um, for companies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, we are we are Stainless part of ERM. Uh, Lars partner at ERM. Alex partner at ERM. What what will happen in the next year, two years, three years? What can we what can we expect to bring to the Dutch market and vice versa in terms of of topics, new developments to surprise our future clients and clients with? Maybe you, you go you go first, Lars. What what um, uh, yeah? Wh how are you looking at this? I think the clients of Sustainalize can expect only more added value for uh, for for uh, Sustainalize joining uh, ERM. Let me let me mention a few. First of all, we are the largest independent global consulting firm. Twelve uh, more than five thousand uh, uh, sustainability experts, which means that the breadth and depth of uh, technical knowledge on every sustainability topic or every sector is present within ERM, and we can bring that to uh, to uh, sustainable clients. And why? Because ERM operates as a global firm, so we are always um, we th that enables us to put always the best team in front of our clients. Another uh, key point is that ERM brings not only technical depth uh, and, and breadth of uh, sustainability knowledge, but also strategic management consulting and pragmatic capabilities. So this blend of uh, technical knowledge which, uh, with uh, management and strategic consulting makes us very uh, suited for uh, also stainless clients to support them in the transition to, uh, to become a more sustainable company. And a final point before I hand over to Alex is our thought leadership. Uh, we have with the Sustainability Institute, uh, stainless clients have access to a lot of thought leadership uh, per sector on issues, etc. Yeah, I, I fully agree, of course. But uh, let, let's hear let's hear Alex's op opinion. How, how are you looking at it? Um, well, it, it, I think Lars has mentioned the the overall uh, helicopter view. I think what we're seeing from client need, you know, um, we focus on on our clients and. 
you, the conversation, I think Nick, you would have seen it in the market as well. Um, it was about what should I commit to? Like, give me my targets. You know, how, how do we make sure what we're doing is aligned to what our expectations are of ourselves, but also our peer companies and competitors? And then now the conversations we're having all the time is around, well, how do I get there? Like, so what do I need to do from a association perspective? What do I need to do from a data collection perspective? Um, what do I need to do in terms of hiring people, building up resource? Um, what's my CapEx requirements in the next two to three years? You know, it's really going into the how do I do the planning? How do I change my organization culturally to shift from what was maybe internally centric around the product to more externally around the demand expectations and how do I mold my company behind it? And I think that's the change. And, and that's where your M, you know, that's where we've had our, our positioning for years and now we're developing further both from a um, people perspective, but also from an IT perspective and systems perspective, data collection. So I think it's very much moving to how do we implement, what do we need to set up, and then let's operationalize it and let's deliver. Because in the end, if you don't deliver, finance will retreat, and then you may be left, um, what we say in English, you know, wearing no swimming costume when the tide goes out. Yeah, and uh, we, we call that, what Alex just said, we have a nice uh, phrase for that, from boots to boardroom. Uh, yeah. So we... We are able to support clients at every stage of their journey, uh, when it, uh, integration into business strategy or uh, developing a sustainable business model towards reporting, implementation, KPI development, etc. Yeah, and and and, uh, and of course I fully agree. So it goes without saying that that we are enthusiastic as well to be part now of ERM, ex exactly how you describe it, be part of this global network, to bring this technical knowledge to to our clients this boots to boardroom approach. Um, and I think our clients could definitely benefit from it. Um, the Sustainability Institute as a think tank behind us. So um, very, very happy to be to be part of, of, of ERM now. Um, just to wrap up, um, guys, thank you for uh, you, Alex, dialing in all the way from Frankfurt. And when traveling is allowed, by train, of course. You're welcome. Um, welcome. You're, you're more than welcome to uh, also meet our clients. So we'll hear more of Alex. And Lars is just here in good old Netherlands, so you will see Lars around with uh, with myself and and Justice to uh, to do cool stuff with you guys. Um, as said, enthusiastic to be part of ERM, not only because the client delivery we can do, also because um, ERM is in itself a very sustainable company, uh, having the net zero target in 2025, and that's where the next podcast where we find ERMers um, uh, will be about the net zero target of 2025. How did we get to this target? How are we gonna reach this target? Um, and again, we'll, uh, we'll have more podcasts diving deeper in the CSRD, in the EU taxonomy, because that's quite a, quite a fair amount of information we need to still bring to you guys um, uh, and others. So please stay tuned for the Walk to Talk on Sustainability series uh, and we'll uh, listen and speak to each other uh, soon. Thanks. Thank you.